Hey, husband. Yes, wife. Why do penguins walk softly? Why? Because they can't hardly walk. Wow. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Random's Thoughts. I'm a husband. And I'm wife. And this is episode seven. We're getting up there, wife. Yeah. Almost double digits. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's a little strange to say because when we first started this, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And looking back on it, it actually has been a lot longer than we thought. Yeah, I think we both thought that we had maybe two episodes in us just to see and get people thinking and talking about this game again. Yeah, it turned out to be a lot of fun. And uh, one of the things we're going to get to in a few minutes is actually some responses from some of you, our dear listeners. Yay! But before we do that, did want to give everybody a heads up. So we actually just literally today, the day that we're recording upgraded our SoundCloud account. Why does anybody care about that? Well, the reason we had to upgrade it is because there's limits on the uploads for SoundCloud. So basically, episode one was deleted by SoundCloud. It may or may not get redeployed to everybody. Uh, if you have us plugged into whatever your podcast reader of choice is or wherever you're picking up the RSS feed. So if you see it pop up again, that may be why. By the time you're hearing this, you probably figured it out. Yeah, because I am going to take a nice 4th of July break. This will still schedule on time, but I'm taking a break for the 4th of July. Everybody deserves a break, right, wife? Every once in a while. But let's not to get too crazy. Not too often, all right? Yeah, bite me. <laughs> anyway, so as we were saying before, we did want to circle back because we did actually get a few emails from some of our listeners, which is really cool. And first off, I want to... Do a quick shout out that we really do appreciate it. And we do really appreciate the comments on Reddit and on Facebook. Facebook and wherever else people are talking about it. It's great to see everyone talking about the WOW TCG. It's also awesome to get feedback on what we're doing. So we should probably say this now. We love all the emails that people have been sending. Um, we especially love the emails where everyone has everything they want to say right in the email. Husband works in IT, so he's more than a little paranoid when it comes to attachments. So if at all possible, please try to put everything in the email rather than add an attachment. And while we want to respond to everybody personally, and we're totally going to try, uh... I do work two jobs, husband works full-time, and life is crazy, so we'll do the best we can. Yeah, we're not ignoring you if, if it comes across that way. It's just, you know, real life. I think everybody can relate to that. So we did want to point out the two emails. Uh, one actually kind of was good timing because we we're planning on talking about what we're going to talk about in our deck dissection in a few minutes, but Justin wrote in, and shout out to Justin for asking us questions about Deathwish, which was a deck that we had talked about when we were going over other lists, but didn't quite, well, we didn't get around to it yet, so we haven't gone into the dive on it. So in order to provide a little more information about this list, because if you've played Deathwish or seen Deathwish before, it runs a lot of tutor targets. So as a result, the deck list gets really long. 
uh, we actually started a new section on the website. Which is randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. So in addition to the Metamart event deck list that we put up there, I created another deck list on there. And we're going to throw some of our ideas up there just as reference points. As I mentioned, Death Wish can be a kind of a long list, so this episode may run a little bit longer as we're talking about it, plus with all the, these housekeeping things. So, Justin, you, you kind of got your wish. We're going to talk about Death Wish in a few minutes. The other email uh, came from Paul, and he actually was asking us a couple interesting questions about things that we did want to do in the future, namely raids and videos. We're not really currently set up to try and do any videos, but it is something we're working on. Yes. Um, if anyone has any ideas on ways to make your iPhone your streaming device, that's pretty much our only medium right now. We right. could go buy a camera, but um, while I love you guys, I don't want to spend money on a camera quite yet. Yeah. We're not Maybe quite later. in the position yet. Although it definitely is something like we said that we want to look into either through an iPhone, maybe a cheap webcam if it if quality isn't horrific. Uh, and then we can set up a stand, maybe run some raids with some of our friends or you know, play out certain matchups and then throw them on YouTube. And we'll definitely keep you updated. But if you guys have any stand ideas, any really cheap camera that still kind of works ideas, please leave a message in, on our email. That is randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Or feel free to just drop us a line on Facebook or in one of the Reddit posts, wherever, and we'll pick it up. So going from there, wife, we have something marvelous to talk about. Oh, God. Here we have it comes. something fabulous. Turn down your volume. I'm wondrous. Oh, God. Do you know what I'm talking about, wife? I'm wondering, could it be possibly... You wife, you know it is. Lord Benjamin Tremendousen! Oh, God. Look, look at how loud that the was, spikes just went. Yeah, it definitely spiked. I apologize for anybody who had headphones in. <laughs> but uh, we're here to talk about the Alliance Warrior, Lord Benjamin Tremendousen. Or Tremendousen. I don't know. It's a name, so I feel like you can get away with having a bunch of different pronunciations until you hear the person actually say it. Yeah, I'm going to say Tremendousen because it sounds more fun to me. It does sound more fun. And Tremendousen is very measly and in the Frenchy myth. Okay, sure. So, our hero here is a dwarf fury warrior who is actually way back from drums. Drums of war, that is. So, he's a blacksmithing and engineering hero, which is relevant. And his flip is, on your turn, you can pay for, flip him, and opposing allies have minus one health this turn. Also pretty relevant. So this, I got really excited when we started testing Death Wish because it is a lot of fun to play. Now the problem with Death Wish is that it's very intricate to play. As yes. we were saying before, there are a lot of one-ofs. You run Demonic Tutors. For anybody not familiar, it's a card from Magic that lets you search your deck for two mana for any card. In this, you get keys to the Armory, which lets you search your deck for any equipment, not quite the same power level, but it gives you essentially extra copies of a ton of cards in your deck. So, if we go into the main meat of 
the deck itself. We are going to talk about, I'm going to talk about primarily two cards um, with a third kind of thrown in. But the two that when um, you are the one who can't handle playing intricate decks, so you are playing against the intricate deck, you notice two cards that you want turned off. These two cards are Death Wish and Greaves of Ancient Evil. So Death Wish um, is ongoing. If you tap it, all heroes have plus three attack this turn. Well... Let's hold up there for a second, White, because it is the namesake of the deck. It is. So one thing if you played a lot of card games is whenever a symmetrical card comes out, it should set up red flags. It should set off warning bells in your head that maybe this is something that can be used. Because if you come into the game with preparation behind what you're trying to do, your opponent's not going to be ready to take advantage of whatever the, the symmetry is. Going way back in Magic's history, Wrath of God was four mana, destroy all creatures. So what you did was play very few creatures. But if your opponent played a ton, they play into it, and you get huge card advantage off of it. Death Wish is sort of the same way, where the whole deck is structured to abuse the snot out of Death Wish. Yes. You just wade in with a bunch of steel strapped to your hands and start punching people. Yes. So, so go ahead, wife. Um, you play Death Wish, and then if you have Greaves of Ancient Evil out, what it does for heroes is when damage is prevented with this armor, ready your hero. So Now, you... to quick note, that only works for warrior heroes, because yes. it is available to Death Knights and Paladins, this particular this is plate true. armor. But they have different effects, which was actually a cool thing in... I think Scourge War was the first to do it that way with this notation, but... Um, so you attack with Death Wish, you block their incoming plus three attack from your opponent, um, and then you can ready your hero. Well, if you have tanks for everything, Dalaran, in your, um, as a location up, if you tap it, you get to ready up to X target plate armor you control, where X is the number of blacksmithing heroes and allies you control. Well, guess what Lord Tr Benjamin Tremendousen is? He's a blacksmithing hero. So... You can very quickly go from zero to nine damage a turn because you attack for three since Death Wish applies the effect for the rest of the turn. Mm-hmm. Prevent with Greaves. Ready your hero. Use tanks for everything. To ready your Greaves. Attack for three. Which block would block with... it. Ready your hero. Swing for three. Now, if you do not have any other armor out or any other effects that impact how this sequence goes, you'll end up getting hit back for three at the end of it. But your opponent took nine. So it's usually a pretty decent trade-off. Yeah, for most heroes, three hits of that, and the game is over. Yeah. It's 27 damage, so you have warlocks that'll live through it, you'll have... Uh, other warriors, I think Death Knights are 29, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. So you get rid of Clothies. The, uh, you're <laughs> people are put into a really bad position very quickly just off the basis of these cards. Oh, and neither of them are really that expensive. Death Wish only costs two, and Greaves only costs three. And as wife said, Tanks for Everything is actually a location. So there are very few cards that can actually disrupt it. And if you aren't packing ways to disrupt these things, you probably want to. Now, from there, 
we're going to move into the resources, actually. So you're running Darkness Calling, which hey, isn't all that. Hey, Darkness. What's up? You to say that. I had to. You so. got to say it. So Darkness Calling isn't all that exciting. The other ones that we're going to talk about are, are a rare bean, which really doesn't show up in a lot of decks. It's a two-cost quest that the reward is choose a rarity and then reveal the top three cards of your deck. Choose one of the cards revealed if it's of that rarity and put it into your hand. Well, in this deck, virtually everything has a blue marker at the bottom, meaning that they're rare. Death Wish is rare. Tanks for Everything is rare. Greaves are rare. Amani Mask of Death is rare. Shuriken of Negation is rare. Guardian's Plate Bracers is rare. And then any of your, your uh, Keys to the Armory, Reconstruct, Wraith Sight, and a couple other things that we happen to be running slightly different versions than most people. Again, a lot of tutor targets, so you have a lot of flexibility. Oh, and one cool one, the Horseman's Helm, which we'll get to in a minute. The other notable resource is Concerted Efforts. So you pay one, reveal the top three, and put any revealed card with an even cost of two or more into hand, and the rest on the bottom of your deck. So obviously that's going to help you get Death Wish, Keys to the Armory, Reconstruct, Heroic Throw, Bloody Ritual, Shuriken of Negation, Horseman's Helm, yada, 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 yada. And the ones that it can't get, such as Greaves, because it costs three, or Guardian Play Bracers, which costs three, or Jinrock the Great Apocalypse, that costs seven, those you kind of are okay with, because if you get one of the tutors, well, I'll just go get it. Or if you already have a Greaves out, you don't want another one. So yeah. it's not the end of the world. Plus, at only costing one, you can fit it in basically wherever. And as wife will attest, the games will drag on in a lot of matchups. Yeah. We had one matchup that lasted close to an hour and 15 minutes yesterday. I don't think it lasted that long. Did it, it felt like an hour and 15 minutes it yesterday. It probably was closer to... I mean... In number of turns, it was certainly into double digits. Basically, I had armored up, and wife was having problems getting through all the plate armor, but I wasn't hitting quests, so neither of us could really close out the game. And I had turned off Death Wish three times in a row. Yeah, as opposed to the game where you hit four miniature voodoo masks and, and turned off lost. Death Wish. Yeah, you yeah. still managed to lose that game. So Death Wish, while super important, you can win without it. But the long games and my inability to close out some of the games we were talking about actually does highlight something. It's really hard to play Tank Man in this format. And by that I mean it's really hard to just sit back, I'm going to load up on armor, I'm going to load up on weapons, and then I'm going to grind you out that way. Death Wish fills an important hole because it both gives you an early game tool to control your opponent's allies. It gives you a kill condition, because as we talked about, tagging somebody for nine a turn will close the game out quickly. And it's super cheap. It only costs two, so it fits in wherever you can. And even better, as we talked about before, where you don't want multiple greaves, you don't want multiple whatever armors or weapons... Death Wish stacks, so you could have, theoretically, all four of them and give all heroes plus 12 attack. Probably won't happen, and I'm not sure you even want to do that unless it's going to end the game, but it could happen. Yes. 
In fact, I think you did have one where you had nine attack, and that was fun. Yeah. So moving on from there, we're going to move into the equipment. So we talked about a lot of it, and the, I guess the staple ones are, as wife mentioned, Greaves, Guardian Plate Bracers, which are super important and change virtually every matchup if you hit it turn one. If yeah. you're not familiar, it's a three-cost, three-armor wrist, hence bracers. But it has the keyword preparation, which means on your first turn, you can play it for free. It's probably the best preparation card, and it is huge in every matchup. Against mages, you turn off Taste of the Arcana starting turn one. Against any aggressive deck, you can... Slow them down immensely starting turn one. It enables Death Wish because, well, Death Wish gives three attack. This prevents three damage, which lines up pretty well. It also prevents oddball things such as Dreadsteed and Dark Horizons. So Dark Horizons is a quest that if you deal shadow damage, which Dreadsteed does when you play a resource, you can prevent it. And Dark Horizons requires that you deal shadow damage that turn in order to get the second card off of it. Well, if you have Guardian Plate Bracers, obviously that turns off that second card. Exactly. Um, another um, two more armor uh, to talk about, and then we'll I'll let you talk about your favorite armor. Okay. Um, we have Amani Mask of Death which, um, at the end of each turn, destroy all abilities, allies, and equipment with the same name as another card in play. Super awesome, because guess what? Tokens, many times, have the same name. One would even say all the time. All the time. <laughs> the same tokens, anyway. The same tokens. So that's super unfortunate. Um, if really anything that you have doubles of immediately dies is... If your opponent gets super yeah. aggressive with which... We talked about before, say, miniature voodoo mask. They voodoo mask your death wish, and they go, oh, well, I'm going to voodoo mask your greaves also, or death wish again for redundancy. Well, you slam down an Amani mask, and bye bye Yeah. Now, you're not going to get the short end of that stick very frequently because, well, you have armor and weapons. You can only have one of in each. place, generally. Yeah. Death wish is really the only thing where you might get caught with that, and... Obviously, you're the one playing the mask, so you're going to know it's coming. But the tokens thing is really big. Yeah. Um, our other armor is Bonefist Gauntlets. Um, pretty much tap to pay two less the next time you strike with a weapon. It's important also because it only costs two, so it fits in a little bit better. So it can be hit by concerted efforts, but the reduction in strike cost does come up. So... The other armor that is going to show up, and it should be pretty obvious, is the Horseman's Horrific Helm. If this armor would prevent damage, you may laugh a scary laugh. If you do, this armor prevents all that damage instead. Typically, it has a two armor. It's super strong. And if you play husband ever in something where he has to do something silly, you enforce that rule. You enforce that rule strong. What? You don't? I do it every time. It's not like I'm faking it. I would say you do it nine times out of ten, but just in case, just in case you, like, act, you know, I'm, I was going to say just in case you actually get shy in real life with people, but that we all know happen. that'll never happen. I'll practice my Bowser laugh if I play this at Gen Con. Do it. So, Horseman's Help also costs four, another concerted efforts target. It 
does exactly what you'd expect. There's a big threat on the other side. You essentially get to turn it off every turn. So moving on from there, if we move into weapons, there's some that are pretty standard and some that are not. So the pretty standard ones are Wraith Scythe, also another four cost. It's your healing. So anytime your hero deals combat damage, you can heal. This is what kind of led to that long game we were talking about before where the game dragged out because I was able to punch and heal and had enough armor that wife couldn't overcome the two in conjunction. The other, you're going to make me say this word, the other one is the Shoryuken of Negation. Shoryuken? Shoryuken? Shuriken? No, Shuriken is a dragon uppercut from Street Fighter. Well, that's why you shouldn't have made me say this one. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't know you were going to talk about Street Fighter. <laughs> Sorry, wife. I didn't know it was from Street Fighter. I just know Shuriken. Anyway, Shuriken of Negation, um, when it enters play, you may interrupt target ability card. Um, and it's also a thrown weapon, so obviously that helps when it comes to um, the uh, Death Wish combo. Yeah, so you can get reuses out of this. I mean, that's the exact purpose of Throne. It also preserves your life total because of the long range. Uh, going along with that, our version actually also runs, to take a break from your regularly scheduled weapon discussion, Absolute Poise, which is an ability that costs three and it'll interrupt an ability or equipment card, which when we get the matchups will come into play. Some versions also run Pummel. Some versions also run Spell Ricochet, which lets you redirect targets. None of the above are wrong. It really comes down to personal preference and what you're expecting to play against, it, especially at this point where we're not, we don't really, really have a set sure what people are going to play against. So circling back to the weapons, one of the other things that's pretty... Not hugely different, but is in a deck with this many one-ofs is significant if you decide, hey, I'm not going to run a one of this. I'm going to run two of it. And that is Fleshwork Throwing Glaive. I can say that one. <laughs> um, so for Warrior Heroes, you pay one less to strike with this weapon. So essentially you strike for free. Um, it's thrown, and it is a two-for-two two long range. Exactly. So it, alongside Death Wish, lets you have early control of the board or if you want to get in for, you know, free damage kind of thing. It being cheap is really important. It also, again, to take a quick break from the weapons, ties in well with Heroic Throw, which has an alternate cost of discarding a weapon instead of paying four. And what does it do? Um, you may discard a weapon rather than play this ability's cost, and your hero deals four range damage to target hero or ally. Four Pretty nice. Yeah, four damage is a significant chunk, but it can also be aimed at someone's face, which is yeah. important to know. So those nine damage hits, well, now you could theoretically burn someone out. So aside from that, the Annihilator makes an appearance mostly for its ability to get through opposing armor, which is actually something we'll circle back to in the matchups also. Uh, if you go up against another Death Wish or other things with prevention effects, the Annihilator is your tutor target to get through that. Uh, some other removal options. This is also a little bit peculiar about our specific list. We're running Double Hailstorm. The main reason Hailstorm exists is to deal with Sardok. Yeah. 
because Sardok, as most of you I'm assuming know, he's a protector and he has physical resistance, but Hailstorm does one frost damage, so bye-bye. Yeah, and it also has a death rattle effect of doing one frost damage in addition to its pay one effect, so that way you can get multiple uses out of it. If you pitch it to a heroic throw, now it's five to your target. Hey, Death Fear, <laughs> five health, yeah. and one to everything else. Uh, we're also running Goblin Rocket Launcher, which is kind of a holdover. It was in a lot of early lists. I don't know if it's really necessary anymore, but it's fun, and it's an engineering card. And, and it's we a goblin with a massive rocket on right. his shoulder. Uh, what else could you need in life, really? Beyond that, one of the finishers for the deck, let's assume for a second that you don't just, you know, punch your opponent in the neck with Death Wish over and over again. We also have the Jinrocalypse. Yes. <laughs> or Jinrock the Great Apocalypse. So this is the demon card. Um, and by demon, I mean it's actually possessed, and I hate this card. Um, so it costs seven. But when a hero is dealt damage with Jinrock, destroy up to that many target non-hero cards controlled by that hero's controller. Oh, they have problematic permanence? Say no more. Jinrock is your answer. If you call in now, we'll even throw in some extra Death Wish hits so that you can blow up even more of your opponent's permanence. Yeah, so Jinrock hits for three, and then you have Death Wish, which, you know, can add three, so there's six, and you can blow up six cards, or uh, what happened that one game? Nine cards? I want to go with nine cards. I think it was nine. blew up nine cards. What's weird is she still had permanence after that, but <laughs> not for much longer. I was aiming to get a Deathwing out, but you ruined that one. Yeah, we were me. playing a fun build, and uh, <laughs> Wife was running Deathwing in it, so. It was so close. I need one more card, and I could have had Deathwing, <laughs> but nope. Yeah, Jinrock can... It's one of those things that... It doesn't officially say you win the game if you strike with this, but you'd be hard-pressed to lose a game if you connect with a Jinrock, especially if you pump it. Now, the, the cool thing is, or one of the cool things among the many cool things about this list, is that you can reconstruct it back into play for two. So say you pitch it on turn three to Heroic Throw to deal with one of their allies. On turn seven, you can reconstruct it for two, into play because you have seven resources out and then you get to swing with it and you still have two mana left over to do something else. It, yeah. There's a lot of cool tricks that you can do with Keys to the Armory and reconstruct along those lines. And Heroic Throw is not the only discard outlet. That's part of the reason, aside from the efficiency, that Darkness Calling is in the deck. Well, one more oh. before we get into like our oddball things. Excuse me, two more. So Bloody Ritual is super important. Uh, one thing that we found in our playtesting is you definitely want to play it earlier than you think you need to. And by that, I mean you'd rather not be digging for answers at, say, you know, 23 damage on your hero and Bloody Ritual. You would rather have done it before um, needing to get over the hump and set up for those later turns. Yeah, especially when you can find ways to heal later. Like, you want to get it over with. And mm -hmm. not be stuck with Bloody Rituals, your only way that you're going to be able to get what you need right. by the end. We're, we're going to get into it when we get into the matchups, but there's a lot of, you have to identify how you're going to win any particular game, how your opponent's going to try and win a particular game, what are the specific cards that have to be dealt with, or the game is lost, or won, or whatever it happens to be. Bloody Ritual drawing you four cards is huge in a number of matchups. It obviously, like, four cards is a lot. 
So the last card that we wanted to talk about specifically in the list, and then as we said, there are a couple uh, rotating slots that are available, is Shadow Mourn. So it's actually a proxy in our list because we don't, I just never got one. It's from the Ice Crown Citadel raid. It costs six, it's a zero zero, but when it comes in, you can remove an opposing ally from the game and then you get attack counters equal to that ally's attack. Well, Sardok is obviously one of the targets because you need a way to get rid of him, but it basically deals with anything that doesn't have Will of the Forsaken off the top of my head. Yeah, like, I think he took a Nubrak, so it was a fun six, uh, six hit. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a number of targets, but typically what you're going to end up doing is you'll play it or reconstruct it into play, get the Enter's Play trigger, and then let it go away. Yeah. So that you could do it again, basically. Because although you could be swinging with it, generally, I mean, say you had Jinrock out, you'd rather connect with Jinrock than the Shadow Morn. You're really just using the Shadow Morn to get the thing that's in your way out of the way. Or if it's going to kill you next turn, get rid of it. So, last thing, and these are the rotating slots. Although, any of these, say, one of the Glaives, one of the Hailstorms, um, you could trim numbers elsewhere. There are a lot of options that you have, and since you have keys to the armory, you're effectively running three or four more copies of whatever you happen to put in, is Vindicator's brand. I actually don't really like them in the list, uh, but I felt that we needed some way to deal with an ability or equipment that did land on the board. Yeah, and just, it does exactly what it says. Um, when Vindicator's brand is destroyed, you may destroy target ability or equipment. It's pretty useful. Um, and it's just a way to counter those things. Similar to Shadowmorn, basically once you get one, if you have another weapon in play, you have, say, six more or seven more because reconstructs on that same one, you can just put it into play, let it die. Or if you get another one, play it again, let it die. And you get the triggers so that way you can deal with things, which is a pretty decent segue into our matchups. So we're going to talk a little bit about matchups. Uh, wife, you want to kick us off? What one you want to start with? I'm going to start with the only one that I enjoyed. So, um, like we said, I was not the one playing Death Wish because I don't have the attention span for that. Um, but Rogue. Rogue was fun. Rogue was fun against Death Wish. So Vorix. by Rogue, she specifically means Vorix, yeah. Uh, if you're not all that familiar with it, we did talk about it on some of our other podcasts. We haven't done a deep dive on it, but it's a Rogue deck that, I mean, the namesake is right there, Vorg Zorbuz. He, for three, he can flip, and all melee damage that he would deal would be increased by one and is now nature damage. The reason that matters is, well, a ton of the rogue abilities deal melee damage, so it's a burn deck, and it can burn you down fast. Yeah, and the numbers get pretty big, which helps avoid a lot of that pesky armor that we have going on. Aside from that, there was a... A huge amount of games, now it, this is a little variance induced, but there were a huge amount of games where Wife put 10 damage on me by like turn 3? Three? 3 or 4, yeah. No, no, not even 4, like I think it was by 3, and one of them was by 2. So you're, you're in a hole right away. Additionally, it has some discard elements if you want to play them. 
You yeah. could be running overkill, which will destroy equipment. And what was your favorite card in that matchup, wife? So my favorite card was Boundless Agony because it makes your damage unpreventable. So bye-bye all that lovely armor that we have going on. And it also makes it so the opponent can't heal. Well, nobody can, nobody, can nobody can heal. But, I mean, you're playing a rogue. You're not preventing or healing. Yeah. And, again, this is another, like we talked about before, symmetrical card because both players can't heal. Both players can't prevent but you know you're playing Boundless Agony going in. So you're just going for the throat, whereas, I mean, you're going to expect your opponent to be playing that, but they may not, you're, you may not be prepared to deal with it. Yeah. It was one of the many cards that pushed me to want to include something like Vindicator's brand or a way to remove stuff on the board. It really didn't help. Uh, it, that matchup was just horrible. Yeah, I think that was... The only matchup where I can safely say that I walked away in a good mood. (laughs) Well, the other ones were even, but... Sure, they were. It wasn't that bad. I don't lose well. No, she's just unhappy because the games weren't over in 30 seconds. Well, that too. But the Vorix games were all but done in 30 seconds. Because a lot of the games, Vorix came out of the gates hard, or she could sculpt a really dangerous hand, slam down a boundless agony on, say, turn six, and then just go ham. Yeah. So the deck that I disliked the most was Aggro Control Mage, um, and that was because those matchups lasted forever. Yeah, the the blue... So say it's Spellweaver Jahan. What we found, and again, we when we're testing this stuff... We're not playing hundreds of games, so please take all of this with a grain of salt. Yeah, we we have other life-controlled things, and we get maybe 30 or 40 a week. Yeah. Which I think is pretty 30 good. or 40 minutes. <laughs> Sometimes we get 30 or 40 games in, I think. Anyway. So the point being is that this is just our testing, and we do have a giant spreadsheet that we're keeping track of all of this, because as we're playing more of these matchups, obviously we're adapting and learning the matchups, and we're trying desperately not to have inbred testing where it's, oh, well, I know our version of Red Warlock is or is not running certain cards, so I can play around it. Yeah. Or we we shape the decks to say, oh, well, this isn't working out in this gauntlet, so now we modify it, but now that's the non-standard list, air quotes. Yeah. So, we try to keep it what we've seen used before so in this case to circle back what wife brought up is that the mage deck had a hard time with things like a turn one bracers because as we mentioned before it turns off taste of the arcana it slows down the already potent but not hyper aggressive starts that the deck typically has yeah a lot of basically what happened was I just kept like I was getting closer and closer and closer to actually doing something, and then it all came tumbling down. That's true, because if you are able to stabilize at a healthy life total, you can slam a Wraith Sight, and then, whoops, I'm suddenly at like two damage, your board is clear, and I don't, I can just do whatever I want at that point. So that wasn't that great of a matchup. It does come down to how your answers line up against their start. So if they 
are going first, which is something that we found that the Death Wish deck, as you would expect, like most, does want to go first. It's winning a significant portion more going first than going second. But Guardian Plate Bracers on turn one can change a lot of that. And whether you maybe have heroic throw to buy you some more time, there are a lot of different factors. So it isn't a horrible matchup, but I think it's in favor for Death Wish. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, another matchup, husband, you want to go with this one? What, Searing Light? Yep. So Searing Light in our version, like the rest of them, is a little bit different. But that was relatively even overall, which I, I kind of expected going in because Searing Light does have a number of outs. But the Death Wish deck can both pressure and it can answer a lot of the threats from the Red Priest pretty well. The problem is, is that if you don't stabilize at an appropriate life total, since you can't really interact with your opponent's hand, and the only way to deal with abilities are as they are coming into play, typically, so the absolute poise, the pummel if you run it, shuriken of negation, those sort of things. If your opponent lands a searing light, that's a ticking clock you will lose to that thing if you don't close the game out because all the damage is unpreventable. So wait, did, how often did would you say you were ending the game with the unpreventable damage? Um, I mean, did I... We, did we close out any, or did you close out any game where you it wasn't Searing Light? I don't, I don't think I did. I think everything came down to... I think, no, there was one game because you couldn't find an armor to save your life. That was the only game I did anything, and it was also the only game that was over in, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, if your deck is based around armor and you don't draw any armor, sometimes it can be a little awkward. Yeah. Um, but in general, it really needed um, Searing Light. It really needed the unpreventable. And even sometimes with the unpreventable, it was it just wasn't enough. Right. You, the Wraith Scythe, to circle back to it again, not to be a broken record, but you can heal off a huge chunk of damage because of that with multiple Death Wishes or some weapons or whatever. So moving from there into a different Horde-based list, the we're running Jeremiah Korvac, but it could be... Because he was a bullfrog. Of, yes. And he was a good friend of mine. Right. I never understood a single word he said. I helped him drink his wine. Wow. And he always had some mighty fine wine. Wow. Don't care. Gets stuck in my head every time we play that deck. And now <laughs> it can be stuck in everybody else's, too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be plenty of comments about that one. So, it could also be Pagatha Soulbinder or any of a number of other heroes, but the basic core of the deck is Undead Warlock. And... Undead dudes. Well, yeah, making it or taking advantage of how strong the Death Fears are, the Brodericks are. And it also takes advantage of how strong Sardok is, especially against this deck. Like, I've played Sardok for a very long time, and I don't think I ever fully appreciated him until we were testing this week. Yeah, he he definitely changes a lot of things for a one-drop. It's actually kind of impressive how much... I don't want to say warps, but how much he influences things. So Jeremiah, like a lot of these other builds, ended up going relatively even in our testing. The thing is, and as a whole, 
if your opponent, if you're playing Death Wish and your opponent's playing dudes, you are you're at worst even, I think, and then possibly or probably favored. Yeah, I would say. 55-45? Like, maybe even 60-40? That's what it seems to be, but this is also, and again, not to be a broken record, It as we're going and as we're learning about these matchups and we're playing around with the deck lists, like I said, we're trying not to tweak them too much, but you can change things drastically just by adding a single card because you can tutor for it. Yeah. And it could it could swing a matchup hugely if you're running even an extra one copy of something. That's why we're running double throwing glaives, for example, or double hailstorms. Yeah. And it changes a lot of things. And it goes back to identifying how is your opponent trying to win the game? Do you have an answer? Will you be able to get that answer in time, either through tutoring, through drawing it, playing it? Or do you just need to go for the throat and... Put your foot on the gas and try and win the game before they do. Yeah, I think probably the easiest way to sum it up is it's always biased a little ways toward Death Wish. And then if you have a sideboard for remainder games, you can... I think this is the easiest deck to sideboard, personally. Possibly. I mean, yeah, because... You could have 15 unique cards, or excuse me, 10 unique cards in your board and... Still get them. Yeah, most other builds are, you know, I want four of this thing and I'm signing it out for this other thing that's useless in a particular matchup. But you have so many levers to pull, so many knobs to turn, so many switches to flip. You can do a ton of things. And all for relatively little switches. Exactly. But the deck is a ton of fun to play because there are so many decisions to make, which can be the drawback. Obviously, even aside from, I made the wrong choice, I made a bad, I took a bad line, I made a bad play, there's the fact that it's mentally taxing. So for, say, Gen Con, I'm not expecting it's going to be, I mean, it was capped at 32 people, but it's not going to be like a 12-round tournament. Yeah. So you're not going to be dying for air, water, and food, and sleep or by bathroom. the end of it. That too. Yeah. It, because your, your matches could go long. Your matches could be super involved. And that weighs on you after a while. I mean, yeah, you're just sitting at a table playing a card game, but there's a lot of brain power that's involved. And something with this many decision points could, and, you know, by the end of a long play session you could be having problems and it's not, you know, you're not a bad player. Your deck isn't bad. You're just tired. Tired. And it happens. So that's where the identifying what your opponent's trying to do, what you're trying to do comes in. For example, against Tyrus, which was another one that went relatively evenly. Yeah. All the Warlock decks are tough because they do have pressure they can apply. They do potentially have discard to snag the important answers you have out of your hand. And they get access to a number of super powerful things. Like Sardok and like, um, like he said, Lessons of Another and... And Unholy Power, which is where we were talking about Tyrus. So that is a huge linchpin in the strategy for Tyrus, obviously. But it's Give something me plus that... plus three damage. Oh, hey, I get myself a lot more. Right. 
that Death Wish doesn't look quite as good when your opponent gets pumped to six damage instead of just three. Yeah. On top of the fact of getting extra health. So you need to be able to address it, which is, again, one of the factors that went into us adding Vindicator's brand or looking at Absolute Poise. You almost want to, and this is why you want to go first, because you want to have one, two, three doing stuff, but turn four or turn three going second, you want to leave resources up to potentially address an unholy power coming down on four. And if they don't play it, you're kind of in an awkward spot because now... You did nothing, potentially, on your turn three. Hopefully you have quests up, but maybe you did nothing. And they have the initiative. They could keep playing guys. And, you know, armor is great, but if you get swarmed, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, the swarm is a, a general issue, which is where the flip comes in. But if the swarm is, if there's like four guys out and they all have six or more power because of unholy power or you know, whatever buff is on the board, you're going to have a bad day with that. Yeah. So overall, I would say it's a pretty powerful deck. What do you think, husband? Yeah, it definitely is. It didn't make an appearance in the two Metamart events. I don't think anybody played Death Wish at Gen Con last year. I only remember one warrior, and I don't remember anything else other than remember seeing one warrior. I so. didn't even see it, but assu- even assuming it was, that's only one person that played it. Uh, I, I've seen it in action in better hands than mine, and it is scary. And <laughs> we keep going back to it, but you have so many options, both lines of play and construction options and sideboard options. You can tailor it however you like and still have a core that is explosive and super strong and resilient to a lot of things that can get presented. So that pretty much closes it up. We didn't go over every matchup with Death Wish, partially because, well, we didn't get through them all. But I hope this gives you some insight to the deck. And as I mentioned, it is, our version is listed on our website. What's that again, Mark? Randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. So if you want to check it out there or some of our articles, you can definitely take a look. We're going to try and get some other deck lists up. Uh, We're also going to be trying out some new bumpers and some other things throughout the podcast, such as what we're going to do in a second. Uh, If you have any feedback for that, feel free to let us know, uh, either through email or Facebook or Reddit or whatever. So we're going to try a new sign-off. So, as we've said before, I'm wife. And I'm husband. Loktar Ogar. Loktar! Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.